podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Today's guest faces one of the biggest challenges in business and one that we all face or will face. Today's episode is about hiring. And it's a little bit different because this conversation originally wasn't necessarily intended to be a podcast. It was a conversation generated out of need. Today's guest was going to make an important central hire in his business, one that he's investing a lot of money in. And he came to me as a client of Dynamite Jobs and said, hey, can I have a sit down? I need to understand things like, what's the role and the timing of this hire? I need to understand the hiring process. I need to understand how to market the job, how to get the best applicants. And I need to understand how to interview them effectively so I'm choosing the right people. And so I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we flipped on the recorder for this one? Because I know these are universal problems. This is an ongoing conversation we're having at Dynamite Jobs, trying to figure out effective ways to bring the best people into our teams. And we've done this a lot over the years, hiring remote workers, but we're still figuring out new and better ways to do this on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And one of the ways we do that is we have conversations like we're having today. So I want to give a big Thanks in advance to Chris Cage from Greenbelly for coming back onto the show and sharing his entrepreneurial journey with us. So without any further ado, let's get into it. I'll let today's guest take it away. My name is Chris Cage. I'm the founder of a company called Green Belly Meals. We make a 650-calorie, ready-to-eat backpacking meal. And why are we here talking today? Because I am looking to hire a marketing position, and I've had a lot of issues hiring. What are the problems you've had in the past with uh, bringing people onto your team? I've had two hires this year. One of them was a little bit more, I would call a marketing assistant. There was somebody in the States, and I paid them a little higher dollar per hour. But at the end of the day, she quit very early on. She said that her expectations were, she was not expecting to work that much. And Interesting. I, I mean, like within two days, she quit. And then the next one, I had a, a VA in the Philippines, full-time. And virtual assistant, you mean? Virtual assistant. I thought we had very structured SOPs set up. Standard My, operating procedure. Standard operating procedure set up, and... She worked for about four or five months and I think did actually very high quality work, but the professionalism, communication, deadlines weren't met. Things weren't communicated if they weren't met. And at the end of the day, I finally just had to say, I I can't deal with this because I was, I was spending so much time outlining things for her to do. And then if they didn't get done, then I was having to go back and check on them and say, was this done? I had no sense of assurance that this was actually getting done. Combine the hours put in on outlining jobs, posting jobs, interviewing, training, and then the actual headache of doing it all over again. It's been, it's been really taxing. 
It sounds like you've been dragging your feet on pulling the trigger again because you've been burned. I've been burned, and I don't know really how to do it properly. So this all brings us to sort of the primordial questions we're asking ourselves when we're deciding to hire, namely timing. Is this the right timing from a, a financial and workflow perspective? And one that's deceptively difficult is, are you hiring for the right position or the right role? Something we dug into a little bit with Chris. You mentioned you're pretty sure that it's time for you to hire for a marketing role. How did you make that decision? Good question. I'm not getting things done that I want to get done. And I feel like there's a huge list of things I want to be pursuing. And I'm not able to because my time is occupied by lots of marketing stuff currently. And when I think about that, a lot of the marketing stuff that we're currently doing is proven, right? It's not like I'm adding a substantial amount of value by doing it. What are some of the channels that are working for you? Content marketing. I'll spend at least a day, if not two full days a week on content. And at this point in time, I I just don't have time to do that. And what does your content marketing look like? Blog posts. We do one long blog post on average a week when, you know, 2000 plus words, pretty technically researched backpacking posts, anything related to backpacking. We've got a pretty big backpacking topic range. That's interesting. My first thought is it's cool because the need that you have certainly out there in the marketplace, there's a lot of people who would love to make a living by writing about interesting topics that they're passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on. So we, we do have a writer that helps write posts every week. Beyond just the writing, I'm looking for somebody to help format that raw text into a beautifully organized post. And even on top of just formatting the text, I want it to look sexy. What are the best media assets to complement this text? And at the end of the day, be optimizing that post for the end reader. That I think is a skill, right? And I think it takes time to learn how to do that properly. You mentioned you have a writer, but you want a marketing person. One element of their job would be to take what the writer's done and make it bang in essentially, make this really great piece for your Right. Site. So I don't know if you want to call that editing, formatting, written content. The other piece would be adding long form, creating at least one long form post themselves. Our content strategy is mostly SEO focused, but a lot of it, I want to be doing some real value, a little more on the creative side. All right. So there's like search engine optimization value, which would be like when someone Googles how to pack for the Appalachian Trail, right. your site comes up. But then there's also the more, you could call it like branding sort of side where totally. it's like, wow, Greenbelly has some really interesting pieces about, I like to go read their stuff. I want deep guides on backpacking meal plans and spreadsheets stoveless meal plans, high calorie meal plans. Now, does the person that you're hiring, do they need to be into backpacking or adventure sports? Yes, absolutely. Some, some outdoor background to the level of real ultralight backpacking is, is our market. So I'm going to use that phrase, ultralight backpacking through hiking is another one. But so to get somebody that really has a lot of ultralight backpacking or through hiking experience, I don't know if that's even realistic to find somebody like that. So I'm kind of going to be a little lenient on that as a requirement. However, they have some, to be interested in it. They have to be interested in it. And I think that they could compensate for their lack of knowledge with an extra level of research ability. Curiosity. Right? Curiosity. Anything that I don't know about, I dive deep, right? And, sure. and read about it and make sure I understand it. So, so, so from a business perspective, though, how do you know you need this person? Because too much you... of my time is spent on it. And 
To be fair, I think there are plenty of other channels that I've tested on a very micro, small level, and I want to double down on and really explore those. And I feel like me as the founder and entrepreneur, I want to be exploring those channels, and I'm not able to right now. One of the things, you know, is it providing you with sustainable return on investment? Like, does it make you money? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the answer you're wanting, wasn't it? That's what I'm looking for. I mean, (laughs) well... The answer is yes. I used to have this principle in our business. So when we onboard people, what we do is we walk them through our mission and our principles. So our mission is, here's what we're trying to do in the world. We're trying to help entrepreneurs like yourself grow greater location-independent businesses. How do we do that? There are principles that we won't violate in order to do that or principles that we follow in order to be more effective. And one of the ones that was too confusing that I took away was, if it makes us money, we shouldn't be doing it. So this idea of if it makes you money, you shouldn't be doing it, it used to be actually a principle in our company. I don't think it applies to all staff members. So we got rid of it. But I think as the owners and entrepreneurs, it does largely apply to us, which is this idea that if in your business, there's something that's rote, repeatable, and profitable, it doesn't mean there's not creative elements to it or whatever. It just means that, hey, you've found an established cash flow in your business that is a prime area to be hiring in your business. So let's jump back into this conversation now with Chris. Okay, so you know that it makes you money. I guess the next step that I would take is you got to figure out how much you're willing to invest for what. I don't have a clear-cut answer. And why is that? I don't know a good way to quantify it. How much you're actually making? How much I'm willing to put into that role. I think there's a perception of, I want to get a good deal. Like what's the market value for that role? And then there's also how valuable is this really to my business, right? I feel like there's kind of two different ways to quantify how much I'm willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And I don't know which one is the best one to do. There's a third way, which is, and both of those are valid. The third way would be to imagine this role. I would often imagine like get a sense for like all the people out there that I know that have jobs. I mean, both know a lot of entrepreneurs and workers and stuff. And then I try to imagine like what someone's life would look like in that role and whether or not there's like a resonance there. It makes sense. There's all these like old school archetypes, like entry level marketing people are perfectly willing to move to New York city and work their first few years for $45,000 a year or 35 or whatever the going rate is. And that's sort of a cultural totem that people know about. Well, as entrepreneurs, we kind of have to dream those up in our own business. It's like, well, would someone like living remotely and interested in adventure sports be willing to like do marketing for me for like twenty five hundred bucks a month or two thousand dollars a month, or would like someone that lives in a country where English is a second language is that like acceptable in my marketing position? But they're still interested in investing. Now I could like get a discount on that, or would I be willing to take the discount for English as a second language? So you start to like dream up these kind of nexuses in your mind. Yes. That's not a deal breaker. It's tough though when the position is not super clear. If everything else in the position is unclear and then the salary is not clear as well, that's a problem. But if everything else is super clear, then you just say like the salary is based on your experience and I'm willing to have that conversation with you based on what you're bringing to the table. That's acceptable. But I think if you have both elements unclear, then you're going to get bad candidates. Can I show you my job outline? Absolutely. We're looking for someone with a lot of energy to help manage our popular blog content and assist with our fast growth online marketing efforts. 
Position, 50% content marketing. You want me to just read through this? Yeah. The position, 50% content marketing. Create long-form technical backpacking blog posts complete with custom media assets. Edit and format pre-written text articles into value-driven, engaging, and meticulously organized blog posts. Optimize content for SEO, links, navigation, media, etc. Number two responsibility of this position is growth marketing, estimated about 20%. Reach out to and manage our media outlets. Organize giveaways with other outdoor brands and outlets. About 15% of this position would be managing social media. Research plan and create all Facebook and Instagram posts. Research plan and outline Pinterest. Graphics with graphic designer. And last is about 15% we manage our email marketing, create weekly newsletters, and assist with email list growth strategies. So all of these outlets I'm currently doing and have pretty structured systems around. So Okay. Now, you've lost the good people because what you're really offering to people, what is at the punchline at the end? Salary based on experience? Part-time, full-time? What's the actual job position and offer? Full-time. Full-time. Okay, so how do you define that in a remote company? 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week, okay. They're in the office every day, five days a week, on Slack or on whatever email communication you guys use. Not clearly defined just yet. Sure, sure. Full-time. Full-time, not clearly defined. I'll tell you how I define full-time in in our remote business is uh, whether or not I get their shower thoughts. So a full-time position (laughs) is one where I expect them to be giving me their best energy. So I don't want them to like go to a networking conference and like brainstorm about their side project or something and then just do the work for us. That's totally cool if there's a part-time person. So part-time versus full-time for me is a mindset issue. Full-time people come in and say, like, this is my chariot. Like I am part of this team now. I'm part of this business. And when I'm like walking around, I'm thinking about how I can do my job better. Whereas a part-time person comes in and says, like, I'm already good at content marketing. Like, I can do content marketing in my sleep, and now this guy, Chris, just wants me to do it for him. You're nodding your head like, I don't want, want that. <laughs> You're shaking your head just saying, I, I don't want that person. Well, it depends because if it's really clear what you want them to do, you could bring in somebody that used to work for Outside Magazine or whatever, and like they're just willing to do it on your platform now, and they're amazing at it sort of thing, and they write pieces twice a week. That could be a part-time situation that could work. Or you could say, nope, I need innovation. I need people who are going to take what we're doing to the next level. I need somebody that's giving me their shower thoughts. So that's a full-time position. And I think it's important to set those expectations clearly up front because that's going to define whether or not they want the role. You know? Can we stop there and tell me what you think for this job role? Because you're talking about, right, you, you segue there off of the full-time versus part-time, right? And it's a mindset issue. Well, it's written like a part-time job right now. Okay. And here's the reason. Because if you want someone's shower time, you cannot offer them tasks. You have to offer them a purpose. This isn't to say that tasks aren't going to be at the core of what your team member is doing on a day-to-day basis. It's just that we all desire meaning in our work. We want to know why we're doing the things we're doing. And further, that's going to help us make better judgments when we have to make decisions. The only reason I mention this is because I think founders are really shy about this, particularly Maybe if you're hiring for a very specific role or something maybe you see as a little bit lower level, I found that founders can be really shy in sharing that why behind the task. And I mention this and point this out to encourage you to share that with whomever you hire at any phase in your business. This job ad 
suffers from, I think, what most small business job ads suffer from, which is that you're not giving them anything to join up with. You're not giving them anything to identify with. Like when they join Greenbelly, what are they going to be a part of? That sounds like an automatron professional ringer comes in, writes content, gets out. That's gets a great, paid. So that's a great point. I guess my thing is then what, what do you suggest? Because I have things that I've done for like a year that I want to do. I've got a pretty rigid system okay, around. Now let's so. start right here. Why do you want to do them? Why are you bothering spending years of your life invested in a meal bar company? Take me back, man. Why do you do all this? I first started off because I I knew what I didn't want, right? And I didn't want Which to Which is go a back. job at a big four accounting company. <laughs> okay, where do you live now? Wherever I want. That's Chiang right. Chiang Mai, Thailand. That's right. And you have the freedom to go do the sorts of things that your customers do, which is what? Hike. Explore nature. Explore. Explore the world. Those things are valuable to you, right? Absolutely. Your company helps people do those things. That's a core value that you have. Other people that work with you get to participate in that value. Your customers participate in that value. What else drives you to work on Greenbelly every day? I like the market. One is the personal side, the lifestyle benefit of being in this role. The other is the day-to-day enjoyment, what I'm actually dealing with, right? What's my environment? And I like dealing with backpacking and outdoors, right? It's something I really enjoy. And then finally, it'd be kind of just a professional role. It's I like running my business, right? Why? It's fun being an entrepreneur. How would you describe the workplace environment? Do you offer autonomy to your staff members? No. I, my pushback is why should I offer autonomy, right? I mean, I'm not saying I should or shouldn't, but that's something could be argued as a luxury save for the entrepreneur. I want to zoom into this point here because it's going to be a gut check for everyone hiring. And I can relate to Chris's sentiment here because sometimes you feel maybe if you extend some of the freedoms that you have as an entrepreneur onto your staff, you ultimately might not get the most out of them. Frankly, my approach to this has always been to double down on those things that I personally value and that I feel like the company uniquely delivers. My philosophy is that that will attract not only the top talent, but the most alignment within the organization. Let's dive into this specific issue a little bit more with Chris. You have a goal for the company. What is that goal? I don't know. This is the kind of questions that people are going to give you shower time we're going to care about. Can we go back? So if we go back to autonomy versus systems, right? Assuming that those are mutually exclusive. Could we not have some combination? Because I'm not opposed to any pushback, critical feedback. In fact, I'd encourage it. However... Now, there's a core value that's really interesting. Most companies don't provide that. Most companies don't provide conversations with the founder. Is that something you're willing to offer here? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, okay, I'll, be deal- I'll be dealing with them. So your conversation every- with the founder, you're willing to provide location independence? Hell yeah. Within reason? So I'm not... I, I didn't read through the whole thing. This is just the responsibilities I read. I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got some of that stuff in your bonus. Our perks, remote position, work from anywhere, flexible hours, work with founder, learn marketing from a high growth brand, have a seat at the table. That's a phrase I got from you. You'll be directly involved in our strategy. Now, where is this located at the, in the job ad? Because perk sounds like an afterthought. Like perk would be a uh, beanbag chair in the, or a ping pong table in the <laughs> lunchroom. And I'm not challenging you on this. I'm trying to get across this point that in the traditional job hiring space, you say things like, 
entry-level position at big four accounting firm or entry-level marketing position in New York City at marketing firm. All these sentences are less than 10 words. Those words have an enormous amount of gravity in them. Cultural gravity, like people know culturally what it means to be an entry-level accountant at a big four firm. And all the heavy lifting's been done by like decades in many cases of cultural reinforcement from the universities, from the companies themselves. Now, as entrepreneurs, we have to recreate those things. We have to tap into cultural totems that staff can understand. In other words, I need to know why I want to do these things for you. And if it's just because of money, you can have a bad result because there's a lot of ways to make money by being a marketer for an online business. We need to find people that are motivated to have a seat at the green belly table. And it has to be more than money. And so you have to lead with those things. Why would people want to do it? And this is where you have to have some confidence in your business and remind yourself of why you do it. And you have to be able to offer those things to your staff as well. You know, most people don't get to work with great customers that are interested in cool shit. Most people get bullied by their customers. I have that experience when I had a job. So now all of a sudden I'm reading it thinking, man, this guy, Chris, he only works with cool customers. They like fire the shitty ones. That's pretty amazing. He only works location independently. He believes in the power of really high-end content to get people interested in the business. Now, all of a sudden, you're tapping into motivations where I'm not this person who's like, I'm willing to write a blog article a week and do some ads for whatever a month. It's like this next level thing. And you have to ask yourself, like, what is Greenbelly trying to do in the world? Because every single person on your team needs to understand what Greenbelly is trying to do and they need to contribute to it. Now, of course, I think you're right. There are things that are specific to entrepreneurs that don't get offered to team members. And that's totally fine. It's like owning a robot your own. job. Yeah. I mean, there's a middle ground, which is like a lot of those values, a lot of the reasons that you started the business will exist for your team members. That freedom, that flexibility, the fascinating element to what you're doing, that's got to be sold. Today's show is sponsored by Ahrefs. For a lot of our listeners, Ahrefs is already your number one go-to tool for optimizing SEO search traffic results. And this year, they have dramatically improved their Keywords Explorer by rebuilding it from scratch using new technology. Ahrefs' new Keywords Explorer 3 gives users access to data not just from Google, but from nine more important search engines, including YouTube, Amazon, and Bing. For SEOs and content marketers, that means you can really maximize exposure for your work or business. Pretty cool. Remember that Ahrefs is not just about backlinks. It's actually a full suite of SEO tools, kind of like a Swiss army knife of search engine optimization, something that you never want to be without. So whether you need to run a technical site audit, do competitor research, or identify high-value keyword opportunities, Ahrefs is the tool you need, something I so wish I had back in my days as an SEO. Check them out at ahrefs.com. That's Ahrefs. And big thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring the show. So you need full-time. You need somebody who understands the... So we had in here agency versus freelancer or apprentice versus expert, full-time versus part-time. At Dynamite Jobs, we're really just, it's either full-time or part-time because freelance stuff, you know, per hour stuff, 
all that, it's different. I think this is also thinking about, I listened to another podcast y'all had where you were talking about defining what is an apprentice, right? Yeah. And there have been several projects that I've hired for, for example, food scientists, right? I don't dick around when it comes to our food scientists, right? I'll pay top dollar any day of the week because yeah. that's an expert role, right? There's no so training. the person who defines the nutritional makeup of your... Uh, right, exactly. That's an example of something that I've clearly... It's, to me, it's black and white. I hire an expert, right? Yeah. There's nothing around that. When I start thinking about hiring for something like a marketing role, it's a mindset. Am I hiring somebody to do these systems or am I hiring somebody that I, I want to hire an entrepreneur within my business, an apprentice, somebody who's hungry to help take my business to a different place, right? I think that's really kind of the, the fundamental question I'm asking is, am I trying to hire a content marketer or am I trying to hire a version of me five years ago? And how do you go about that framework for assessing that? And I don't know the answer to that. I vacillate. Should this be somebody with content marketing experience that I don't have to spend an arm and a leg to train? Or should this be somebody who's smart, young, and hungry that is going to be a real growth mindset member? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that's kind of where I'm going with this question is how do I approach that decision and, and what exactly I'm looking for? Well, I think, you know, this is might get granular, but I think it depends a lot on the discipline and the heights of experience people can achieve in that discipline and where they're at in the industry. If we were talking about AdWords, it would be pretty straightforward to me unless your entire business is focused on the AdWords channel, which some are, that it might make sense to hire a professional that's really focused on your AdWords account that can deliver like clearly on the data. When we're talking about something like content marketing though, I'm often suspicious of people who've reached like a high level professionalism within quote content marketing, because if you're a really good communicator and a really good writer, often it, it sits at a little bit more closer to the core of the business, which is like I become the mouthpiece of this business and the servant of this audience. And I'm really making a connection I think it's really hard to go around and do that for five different businesses and five different niches and have been like a professional content person. I mean, you can evaluate each person individually. Personally, for a role like writing content, messaging customers, I would prefer somebody who's going to wear the company t-shirt, that's going to really understand the culture of your company and is going to be able to express it deeply. And that's why, yeah, I wouldn't just hire somebody to write blog posts if this is like really important to you and you want to develop the voice of Greenbelly, then you need somebody who understands and can represent that. That, to me, is how I would draw that distinction. Does that make sense? Yeah. You've already structured the position pretty clearly, which I think is absolutely critical for a role like an apprentice because they're coming in with not a ton of experience. And so having a clear structure of what they can learn, I think people often get this like inverted a little bit where you think, you know, I'm bringing in somebody that's really entrepreneurial to like think big and ask the tough questions. So let's just bring them in and let them run. It's like, no, that's a really bad move. So you've done everything right there in terms of like, this is our training. This is our wax on wax off. Here's what's important to our business. And you are really valuing that by saying 80% this 20% this here's exactly what the expectations is. Now you're not saying I believe that these things will always be important to the business. That's a great point. And 
I want to make sure that's clearly communicated because I don't, right? Exactly. I think there are a lot of things that could change. This is as close to a proven system that I want to do right now as I can get. When my apprentice will come into my business, I'll say, hey, a lot of the things that happen in this business are historical accidents, right? But that doesn't mean that they're not important to understand, to train on, and to question. Focus on the details. Focus on the fundamentals. Because here's the thing. If people are, quote, entrepreneurs because they want to ignore that stuff, if they don't have an eye for detail, you know, if you just have the big talking, charismatic question asker with no attention to detail, with no ability to follow a process, then they're the wrong person. If you're bringing somebody into your business, you just talk to me passionately about the processes that lead to a successful blog post. Now, why would you hire somebody that isn't equally passionate about those processes that isn't questioning you. It isn't saying, Hey, I got to interject there, but why are we doing it this way? That focus to detail, I think is absolutely critical. And this is actually a mistake that people commonly make. So again, we're talking about deciding when to hire. So at this point, it's sounding more leaning to more towards an apprentice role. Okay. So we know you want to hire an apprentice. We know you want them to focus on marketing. And we know that you have the position really well structured, which is full-time. And what I often say to people, Chris, is like, don't hire for a role that you don't have like 80% of that role, 100% clear what they're going to be doing. Like, like let them have that final 20% to be creative, free thinkers or whatever. But you got to have that block and tackling, brick and mortar, wax on, wax off. I've got your 40 hours mapped out for you. If there's any question of what you should be doing, there's not on my side as the founder. Agreed. I like it. Let's talk about the hiring process, Chris, our next step. So now you have, you're starting to construct uh, a job ad. And one of the things that we're going to do with your ad is we're going to add that cultural element at the top, as well as the Chris Cage element, the founder. Because the biggest thing about these small businesses is that you get to work with the founder. And that's really important. If they don't like you, you want that to be a both positive and negative filter. Someone's got to be able to hear your voice, see your voice written and say, you know what? I'd really like to be mentored by that guy. I'd really like to sit beside that guy. If the answer is, I find him off-putting or grading or something like you want to figure that out right up front, you know, filtered out right there. Exactly. So you've got your job ad constructed and you put a lot of energy into really describing what their life could look like if they work. Cause we're already selling people and filtering people through the job. ad. That's really critical promotion and casting a wide net. So how to get qualified applicants. Yeah, I've struggled with that. I've done several different platforms, different methods. I've actually hired off my own newsletter, which I've had pretty good success with. Yeah, your own social network is often the best place to hire. Yeah. I've done a few other sites. I don't know if I want to mention them on here because some of them are pretty bad luck. But that's been a really big problem is getting less of qualified applicants because I know in the past, even if I get one good applicant, I don't want just one good applicant, right? I want to choose from... 10 good applicants. I want 10 great people to interview. It's all a numbers game. I I don't want to have 20 applicants and maybe one or two of them look good. You know, A lot of people sit in your position and say, I just want one. I want the right one. Because the process that you're getting yourself into as a founder who's going to do this will take multiple weeks. 
and it's really, really time-consuming, which I think is part of the reason you're wading back into this slowly. So one of the things we aim to provide at Dynamite Jobs is a wise match service where essentially what we're trying to do is intelligently match people that are good fits based on all the things we're going to talk about today. Now, if you want to do it yourself, I think it's a great idea because understanding this process, it's really at the core of your business. So let's talk about some ways you can do that. I mean, you have application nuts and bolts, a form, a landing page, tripwires, resume, video, et cetera, managing applicants from different... I've stalked y'all, man. I know I've seen y'all have, y'all have some pretty good looking systems. What's your mindset when you're thinking about the application itself? Are you wanting a video? Why are you wanting a video? I think there could be pros and cons of asking that. I think some introverts might just be totally put off by video. I've also heard a lot about tripwires, you know, make sure you send your resume here with this, you know, in the header, you know, just to make sure they're following basic instructions, filter out anybody that's not doing that. What's kind of the basic high level checklist for your application? One of the things is you really want to sell your position. So you don't want to filter too strong, right? You don't want to make it too hard to apply. So that's always something that we think about carefully. A lot of the best candidates, they don't want to sit around and spend a couple hours applying to your job or whatever. I mean, maybe if you have like this really big magnetic pool and audience or whatever, but I think you want to make it easy for them to identify whether or not they're a good fit for you and then do your heavy lifting on the back end once you can do your primary filters. We're going to ask a couple fundamental questions about the position, what they're looking for. And sometimes what we do is we it's a lot easier for people to record an audio on their telephone or a quick video, which is like, help us to get to know you a little bit. And that's just it. No fancy tripwires, nothing like that. Well, so we call it a, I haven't heard it called tripwire because that's like a marketing term, but essentially, yes, at the end of our application, we'll say, please include XYZ in the title of your email or whatever. Just give really clear instructions yeah, you put a little fortune cookie into that so that you see what their attention to detail is. Different sites are going to have different processes for this. And actually, there's like a, an entire industry, Chris, that focuses on just this. It's called applicant tracking software because you are getting like so much different information from so many different places. Different formats. Exactly. Yeah, I've noticed that. That was another question. With Dynamite Jobs, I'm sold. I want to do Dynamite Jobs. I think the question is, is what happens if I don't get a good applicant? Right. And then I'm thinking about on my end, I'm investing time waiting on those applicants. So should I be casting a net to all these different platforms? How do you consolidate all the information efficiently on the back end so you're not just scrambling through a bunch of crap? Right. Well, so that's the question for each founder. I mean, in our case, we can consolidate all the candidates and send you the good ones, right? Based on our assessment of your culture and your team. I mean, that's our role. We're professional matchmakers, right? You know, our two different levels of service are one is like, you know, we will promote your job to our platform. The other is that we'll go out and proactively run ad campaigns for your job. Okay, so this is the wise match, like the higher level matching service. And to ensure that you get what you want. If you don't get what you want, then money back. We'll figure out something else. But yeah, that's the trust that we're trying to develop here at Dynamite Jobs. And it's not clear whether we deserve it in your case yet. I mean, we'll we'll see. But in the case of going out and I mean, people use these things called ATSs, applicant tracking software. If you're just one founder doing a couple hirings a year, it's going to be a bitch. There's going to be stuff coming in from everywhere. It's going to be crazy. 
And that's part of the game. I mean, that's why our service exists, Chris, because it's a pain in the ass. When you think about an HR person that works at like a 100-person company, for example, or 200-person company, the vast majority of their job is spent doing what we're describing right now. It's not spent like yelling at people for smoking in the bathrooms or resolving misconduct cases. No, what they do is they schedule interviews and manage resumes. That's what HR people do. So there's an entire industry of people like dynamite jobs, ATS software, all this stuff, basically going to entrepreneurs like yourself and saying, you don't ever need to get in that game. You don't ever need to get in the schedule call doing the resume. Cause especially if you're a remote company, now all of a sudden you're scheduling calls all around the clock and all this kind of stuff. It can take weeks, if not months to bring somebody on your team. So, how to simplify that? You hire a service company or an HR person, final answer. Otherwise, it's a lot of work and one that you should invest in because it's what's going to make the difference in your business. So we've covered the first stage, which is deciding to hire, defining the role and the timing of that hire. We've moved on then to stage two, which is that hiring process, marketing the job. And finally, we're going to talk about the culminating stage, which is the interviewing process. And I thought Chris had some really interesting questions about that. Thinking about the interview process, how many phases, first off, right? Yeah. And what do those phases look like? So, and just rough percentage, right? So are 90% of your applicants are going to do a five-question long questionnaire. That's going to filter at 90% of your applicants just doing that front one, right? And then the bottom 10% will be a Skype call. What does that look like? Well, I would say this. In... The early days, if you're going to be managing your own application pool, and if you're going to be an entrepreneur for the next 10 years, this is going to be the skill set you ought to develop. I would try not to make too many assumptions based on the data. I would try to talk to more people than your intuition might tell you. In the early days, I found myself disqualifying people for non-substantial reasons. Give me an example. Maybe, like maybe doing the headline incorrectly on the email? An example might be the way someone would phrase something. You know, I might disqualify a whole person's candidacy because of a sentence somewhere. Nowadays, I would be a lot, very confident to do that, actually. But in the early days, I'd encourage founders to not be so, so judgmental until you're able to really talk to somebody. These are people that are spending energy to want to jump onto your train. It's interesting to see where they're coming from and to learn. It's a learning process. So in the early days, I would speak to more people. Nowadays, the way my process works is I generally speak to no more than three candidates. And the way that that process works is, you know, this is now this team works for Dynamite Jobs, but they used to work for our other company. And the way they do it is they're talking to 10 people. That's about right. And when they talk to those people, they rate them on a couple different factors. And we're always thinking about trajectory and fit. Okay. So we're thinking about where they were, where are they going? And we think about those both professionally from a skill set perspective and from a lifestyle perspective, where have they been and where are they going? And what is the overlap with the company? We give them a value of one to 10 on each of those. And we rank the candidates and we interview the top 10. And then the top three filter onto the founder. And that's how it works. In terms of the questions we're asking them, the key thing that you as a founder want to identify in an interview is <laughs> dun, dun, dun. what is their track record? And not credentials, but fundamentally when you hire somebody, you're hiring the types of things that they've done in the past to be repeated in the future on your platform. 
your platform is the variable, not this candidate. So in the case of our most recent apprentice, one of the actual things that came up in the interview, that at first, he was very diplomatic about the way he described the situation, but he identified when, when the founder came to him with like a set of marketing tasks to do, he figured out that they weren't working and they weren't working for a specific and important reason, to which he went back to the founder, tried to make a case that they should change said tasks. The founder ended up not being willing to do those things for a variety of reasons we could all identify and I won't get into. But the point is, is that the apprentice had a track record for thinking through problems at this level. And that itself was what we wanted to invest in because our company itself needed those sorts of investigations as we were determining what products to build and how to market them. The questions that help you to suss out what kind of track record this person has. They don't have to do the same kind of work, right? Because you're looking for someone with not a lot of experience. They need to be doing the work in the way in which you want them to do. So, you know, in the case of you, you want people to have critical conversations with you. You need to dig around in their past about, do they have a demonstrated track record of having critical conversations or accepting critical feedback? Do they have a pattern in their life of doing this? Do they actually like it? Or are they just saying they like it because they want to get a job at your company? If somebody, say for example, somebody's coming out of yeah. hiking Appalachian Limited Trail. experience. Right, limited experience, but they've got a lot of outdoor experience, maybe even you know, accounting degree, whatever. What am I asking them? To see any kind of history, right? Looking, yeah, I mean, if they, if they have zero working experience, it's an enormous problem, right? Because you don't know how they work. And my question is, if they're so interested in business, so why aren't they working right now? What sorts of projects have they created on the internet? If you're supposedly fascinated by content marketing, where's the content marketing that you've done? What sort of projects did you do in school? What have you been up to? You know, if the first indicator of interest in marketing or content marketing is applying to your job, not a good candidate, straight up. Maybe if you have a sponsored athlete, that's what you're looking for. Mm, yeah. You want someone with a demonstrated track record of solving problems on the internet, solving marketing problems. That's it. Here's a really interesting question that I'll offer. Key and Graham mentioned this to me. He said, say I were to grant you three promises related to working at our company, Greenbelly, what would you want those promises to be? I like questions like this because they force the candidate to generate fresh ideas and you see their not only their process for thinking, but you see where their values are. And then you can get a sense of whether their values match yours. Somebody could be immediately throwing money off the bat. Somebody mm -hmm. could immediately be talking about autonomy. Yep. Somebody could be talking about trajectory, managing employees. That's a great one. If you value critical feedback, you could ask for it in the call. So you don't necessarily have to have them dig up instances in the past. You can also test it in real time. Do they really value having critical conversations? Well, do they have any questions for you? There's a very high correlation between being curious in that exact moment and being curious, generally speaking. It's going to be a lot of people, particularly with remote positions, trying to get your job because they need money and trying to get your job because they need more flexibility and need to pay the bills. You want to sift these people out and find the people that are aligned with your values, number one. And number two, have a track record of doing the types of things that you need them to do in your business. Let's then move on to the final piece, which is the offer. You found your ideal candidate. How do I make sure I'm their ideal 
employer. And this is selling the position. Here's the thing. I mean, if you've done the interviews, if you've done the purpose, the job ad, if you've been clear about the expectations, and even if the salary at the beginning, if you can be, by the time you get to the offer, nine times out of 10, all the work's done ahead of you. If you find yourself having to do a lot of work in the offer, something about the process wasn't done correctly. That's been my experience that when you get to the point of hiring, it's essentially a no-brainer because all these other things are more important than the offer itself, the purpose, the direction, the community, the tribe, the opportunity. They're so much more important than the contract. If you find yourself having to do heavy lifting during the offer period, you're nervous about it, you're worried whether they're going to do this or that, you've already made a mistake because you ought to be having the types of conversations you are having in your business during the interview process. Like you're already talking about the problems. Ideally, the candidate would resonate with the problem so much that you're having business conversations during the interview process, if that makes sense. Maybe after the interview, they follow up and say, man, I was really curious about your strategy. Have you seen what Outside Magazine is doing? Have you seen what they're doing? We could start to do this. If people aren't reacting like that to the interview process, why is things going to change when you make them an offer? Great point. Big ups to Chris Cage from Greenbelly for being super open and for diving into this process with us over at Dynamite Jobs. Look, this is one of the most challenging parts of being an entrepreneur, and it's an ongoing challenge finding, recruiting, retaining talent, and then working with them can be the most frustrating things about being an entrepreneur. But it can also be one of the most rewarding parts of being an entrepreneur. So look, this isn't going to be the last episode on the TMBA about hiring. We hope you got something out of this one. If you want to share your thoughts or check out the links to everything mentioned in today's episode, head on over to tropicalmba.com slash hiring one. Thanks for listening. And as always, we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh,